Welcome to the fourth episode of VSTML 2010 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Hamstone and joining me as always is the Canadian who travels with his basic essentials, one piece of underwear, one shirt and one pair of trousers, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's another rather infamous episode of VSTML 2010, this one. As you were alluding to, um, this is the, the start of Fritz's heel turn of the season. Yes, I uh, out of Invitum in general, you don't really see contestants just go get instantly despised and have it stay that way. But this is definitely a, a time when that happens in Vidim. <laughs> I can't even remember whether he gets his luggage back. I know it, because we're, as I said last time, because we're not constantly having this information refreshed for us on message boards and different social media. All these details from just a few years ago tend to fade away. It makes me makes me feel like a freaking casual fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, I can't remember whether Fritz actually gets anything other than his one piece of underwear, one pair of trousers, and one shirt for the rest of the season. I think he probably must do. It might be a hygiene issue. <laughs> Maybe the other contestants will just be like, here, just here's a change of clothes. There's still three or four days left. <laughs> I wonder whether production stepped in and we just didn't see it on the episode and he gets his luggage back. I would assume that that probably does end up happening, but yeah, I genuinely can't remember whether he gets his stuff back or not. It's also different because it's all quote-unquote celebrities, so they tend to be a bit pickier about that type of stuff. Production tends to favor more towards them as opposed to civilians on reality TV seasons. I mean, it took forever just to just for contestants to have another pair of underwear on Survivor the past few years because of Tyler Perry. And it took, what, 20 of the most popular winners ever, or, uh, well, 20 were popular. <laughs> a majority of, like, the really iconic winners to all complain and say, hey, this is a health issue. We can't just have one pair of underwear the whole time. Granted, an island in the middle of nowhere where you're outside the whole day amongst bugs and dirt is a bit different than Japan. Although, granted, Fritz does end up sleeping in Bug Center for a whole night this episode. Yeah, I was going to say there is also the fact that he slept in a forest and they're staying by rivers, so there's going to be loads of like bugs and stuff by the river. Yeah. No matter what they do, they're not exactly staying in, uh, in a bug-free area in this episode. So one thing I do have to mention after last week's episode, because I was sorting the banner out for last week's episode uh, last night, and could I tag the guys in Kaku Garden anywhere on Instagram? No, I couldn't. Tried it in English, tried it in Japanese. I could not make it work, even though people have tagged the guys in Kaku Garden before. One thing I did find out in this this quest to um, to tag it, though, was that Barbara's Topito challenge was actually also filmed in guys in Kaku. I have to interrupt you there, Michael, for a second. Uh, so we're staying in our Airbnb here in Armenia. Jan walked out for a minute, and she walked in with like a whole dinner that the that the family made for us. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So I may have been, my eyes may have been too focused on this gigantic plate of food that Jihan just wheeled in. <laughs> I also love how this is the second episode in four that Jihan has accidentally interrupted. Yeah, well, this this wasn't even her fault. The sneezing was her fault, but this is just like a... It's just an extreme act of kindness and generosity by by the Armenian people. 
the sneezing that you know as well as I do that I actually did cut from the episode, but it did make me absolutely laugh when I uh, when I re-listened to it as I was editing. Oh yeah, Gian was just adding too. Um, yesterday, like there really aren't any scammers around here in Armenia. Like it's other than these little protests that have been going on. It's we felt so so safe here, and you don't get any of the scammers like in other major European cities all the time. And but yesterday. We had a woman try to sell us either like perfume or cologne, and it was a pregnant it was a pregnant lady, and then she just wouldn't leave us alone because I think that was part of the scam. They try to make you feel uncomfortable enough until you pay, and there was a guy lingering behind her who was just watching her really try to pitch to us to buy this perfume, and after about three or four minutes, he just jumped in, paid her paid her for the cologne or perfume, and then she walked away and. Our takeaway from that is the guy probably thought, oh, she's just bugging these tourists. I'll just buy it, and then the, and then she'll leave the tourists alone. So, yeah, we've gotten quite a bit of hospitality in the, yesterday and today. Then people were helping with the GN getting seated at a, another place that was very, very busy, where the guy actually just went looking through the restaurant for another for a spare chair for GN to sit in. <laughs> okay, so... Gaku Garden, I think, is where you're at, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I found out that um, the Gaku Garden was also where Barbara's Tapito Challenge was filmed. Oh, the in the torpedo rice jelly. Yeah, so they filmed it. Um, they filmed at the Ataka Driving School, and then it was Gaku, and then the next day they did the test and execution also in Gaku, which I thought was quite interesting. That they're reusing locations. Maybe they had a deal with the garden for promotional purposes. I mean, if Japan's a really expensive location to film in, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that they're trying to not only cut down on the number of days to film, but also on trying to reuse some of the locations for challenges where it doesn't really matter too much where it takes place. Yeah, I must admit, I did think it was a little bit suspicious we didn't get a location when they were doing Barbara's Challenge last episode, but... Uh... Yeah, according to a uh, map I've seen, it was uh, it was also filmed in Gaisenkaku, just with a different camera angle. Yeah, Gaisenkaku. Gaisenkaku Garden. Get down. <laughs> Get to the garden. <laughs> oh, we're doing another episode of that. <laughs> so, previously, Manuel was sent home as he was ill, while the other seven learned the rules of the road in a driving test, much to the eventual disappointment of Peter Yan. A surprise visit from Angela and Carol saw Fritz be accused of being the mole, while Barbara nearly saw a red screen, but was saved by the rest of the group. Peter Yan says that the candidates couldn't believe their eyes that Angela and Carol visited, and the mole couldn't hide their smile. There is only one more assignment in Nagasaki before they head north for a particularly nighttime adventure. It is still day five, and Fritz asks for their attention at the lunch table. He says they're too busy making each other suspicious and trying to win money, and the mole isn't being challenged enough. Yeah. Well, Fritz, of all people, is saying this. He's like, okay, he's, he's, he's the one giving the pep talk. He's, he's just saying, okay, guys, let's let's cut the crap here. Let's not all try to be a little bit suspicious on these tasks. Let's all Let's all just play for the group, because if everyone plays honestly, ethically, and doesn't try to sabotage anything, we'll all be able to find out who the mole is much faster. <laughs> we hear this time and time again, especially in more recent seasons of Mole, of someone someone pulling the group aside and going, come on, let's just try our best and make sure the mole gets exposed that way. And it has never worked out. There's got to be one time where, where it's got to work out. 
where everyone's just on the same page where they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's all, all nine of us at the start of the season agree not to sabotage the thing. We're onto the mole from day one. And every quiz just comes down to whoever can answer it the fastest. Go all in. I think the closest it's come is probably in Canary Islands where where Philippe just physically couldn't do it. And the team got loads of money off the back of it. But I don't think this tactic has ever worked whenever anyone has tried it otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it only works if the person is taking naps on the toilet. Unfortunately, that's not something you can bank on too frequently. You can't bank on a mole sleep-talking about being the mole (laughs) and being so sleep-deprived that they just don't have the physical strength to possibly pop a tire or, or be able to think on the fly. Do you think, off the back of this scene, the editors didn't like Fritz? No. I don't think so. I think they were just... Because th- it doesn't really amount to anything here. They don't succeed in all being a united front against the mole. Fritz is really enhancing the excitement of the season by throwing that jab in, and then especially where we are by the end of the episode, it makes for a much better story, much more complete story. It's It creates a gigantic heel turn. Yeah, this is what I mean, because... They deliberately put this in at the start of the episode. They didn't really need to put it in, but they put it in at the start of the episode just basically to troll Fritz a little bit, knowing he's going to take the exemption in the chain gun game. Well, yeah, it's one of the best cases of irony on the mole. You got you to gotta throw that in there. Yeah. And then, Eric, oh yeah, Eric has a really funny comment in response to Fritz's pep talk. Where Eric says, I think Fritz is losing it. We don't know where this is coming from from him. He's just started suddenly getting really intense and making us uncomfortable. When in reality, this is a huge ploy on Fritz's part. Yeah, of course it is. But also, Eric says that by saying they should be challenging the mole, he's actually just revealing he's selfish as he wants the pot. And it's like, well, everyone's going to come into this season wanting two things. One, to expose the mole, and two, to be the winner of the season. If you go into a game like this just going, oh, I'm just going to have a fun experience, you're lying to yourself. Of course you don't do the mole without wanting to A, win, and B, get the money. Yeah, those who are in for the fun experience are usually out within the first couple rounds, unless they get really lucky on a quiz. Yeah, exactly. For all of Eric going, oh yeah, Fritz, he does not tell him the whole truth. He's telling the truth that he needs to, which is, I want to win, I want to go back home with loads of money from this season. Is that wrong in the mole? Of course not. It's a very aggravating confessional, that I have to say. And you realise why Eric hasn't been earning much money in the previous episode, because he struggled more than my dad did with turning on his cell phone. He just could not (laughs) find the on button, or just the, the green button to answer Peter Yan's call. I love that seed so much (laughs) it's like come on eric it's not that hard there's only so many buttons you know it can't be one of the numbers unless it was all in japanese and the colors are alternated but i would think if all if most of like you know cell phone electronics come from japan it's gotta be similar to to the cell phones the rest of us get in in north america or europe this is one of those things that i'd completely forgotten about because it is a split second character thing but Eric trying to answer the phone upside down made me laugh both times I watched this episode. <laughs> and just to think, I wonder if Aryan in that moment was thinking, oh, 
Why didn't he just go for the for the yoker instead of for the bulky envelope with the phone in it? I think Arian would have just given up his his yoker right then if it meant he got to be in possession of the phone instead of Eric. So I think I think Eric was assuming that when the phone rung and he opened it up, it would automatically connect him to the call, which is why he looked so confused when it didn't, and he had to turn it upside down and press the green button. But even if it did, he still had it upside down, and it still would not have. He still would not have heard Peter Yan talking. Imagine if he just was able to answer it and just yeah talks into the <laughs> talks into the earpiece. He's thinking, why can't I hear Peter Yan? Why do I just hear like the feedback from my own voice? It's also worth pointing out that the phone has absolutely no purpose. They had no reason to hide that in the envelopes last episode, other than just trolling people and making them think that it's a, a yoker. Yeah, or that it could be a hidden clue. Yeah. I go, Eric has the phone, could he be the mole? Like, the phone serves absolutely no purpose, other than just slightly trolling people in the Angela and Carol game, and it's brilliant. It's one of those little details that they that they don't harp on about. It's a little troll, basically. It's the equivalent of getting a lump of coal in your stocking for Christmas. Yeah, because obviously Eric sat there feeling the envelopes last episode and going, oh, this one feels different, I wonder what it's going to be, opens it up and goes, it's a phone, I might get a hidden advantage out of this. No, you're literally just going to be PC Anne's conduit for the next episode. Yeah. I don't actually remember them getting any more calls on that phone either, I think it might just be at the start of this episode. It's probably too expensive, those are roaming charges. <laughs> Can you imagine the producers at Avro are looking at the expenses? Okay, we know Japan's going to be a more expensive season. What? $20 for a two-minute phone call? So Eric's phone rings, not that he can answer it, and he's asked for three teams to be formed, two teams of two and one of three, split by school results. The team of three should be the ones with the worst results. And they head to Mogi High School. Peter Yan says it's the classic nightmare going into an exam unprepared. In ten classrooms, they will find ten questions. Once they enter a room, they have five minutes to give PTN the correct answer. Each correct answer is worth 250 euros, but if they're wrong, one person has to stay behind. And they have 20 minutes total to reunite at the front of the school. It is Kim and Arjen, Barbara, Sanna and Eric, and Hint and Fritz who are the teams. This one, I think, has been redone in other versions. I can't tell you which ones, but this is one of the more recent classics. Obviously, there's a another recent classic that we are going to get to at the end of this episode, but I believe that this is not the only appearance of the 10 Classrooms game. Yeah, there's been a lot of variations of this challenge and across all the versions of the mall. Some sort of classroom thing where, you've, where it'll involve brain, simple brain teasers that people do in school. It's, yeah, it's it's not a unique challenge, that's for sure. No, and I have just realised when saying that that I think all three challenges in this episode have been redone since in different versions. I know for a fact the stretcher game definitely has as well. Yes, well the stretcher game was just done in uh, Renaissance. Yeah, that's slightly different, but I think other versions have, have adapted the uh, the stretcher game as well. Yeah, a lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of overlap. This version's obviously much better than the Renaissance one because it doesn't have stupid values. Yeah, 2.27 euros per per gold bar. The maximum allowance wasn't 2,222 euros and 50 centimes, for example. <laughs> I'm not going to rant about that season again, even though I want to. So Kim and I find the first question, which is Dutch. They asked what the 16th, 53rd, and 103rd letters of a particular dictation are. They ring in M, E, and H, and they are wrong. 
and Arjen has to stay behind as it was ZCT. What's funny is that the fact that they guessed it was M, E, and H is a perfect summary of the team's performance in this challenge. Meh. I thought that too. (laughs) (laughs) The team of three find geography and are asked what the capital of the country where you'll find a lake landscape, a rocky landscape, five castles, an old orient, desert highway, and a sea near Shanghai is. Barbara is convinced that it's Morocco, and Eric rings in Rabat as a result. He's told it's wrong, and they leave Sana behind, and it was actually a man where the last season took place. A man? Jordan. A man in Jordan. Is that like the man inside me from Arrested Development? I might have deliberately phrased it, because obviously the previous season to this one was Northern Ireland and Jordan. That's an interesting season, actually. A very interesting season. Have I discussed the challenge that they absolutely would never ever do again in that season before? I can't remember. Maybe a while ago. Refresh my memory, senor. It's the first one after they fly from Northern Ireland to uh, to Jordan. And the challenge is, here are ten hookah pipes, work out the flavours. Oh, and if it was Belgian, Molly, we just would have had Craig, the Craig David song, What's Your Flavour, playing the whole time. They absolutely would never, ever do that sort of a challenge again. You guys as a team have to willingly consume... Something that is worse than smoking cigarettes to win 2,000 euros. I guess it depends who you ask. There are people who live by hookers. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the equivalent of smoking four cigarettes. He's doing about a minute. (laughs) Jeez. Isn't that worse than cigars? Cigars are about two or three, right? Hooker is the absolute worst of the classic smoking techniques, I believe. The classics. (laughs) From my extensive research on this topic of quickly Googling it a few years ago. So it's a man in Jordan, where they were last season. I went to, yeah, there's somebody who went all the way through school with me. Her name was Jordan. So I just thought maybe that was one of her her tapes. It's not one of the tapes in your collection. (laughs) A man in Jordan. Oh, this person looks familiar. That's what happened to her. That's why her Facebook account went private. Hints and Fritz are asked which word doesn't belong in a list of German prepositions. And this sort of a question is bringing very bad memories back of the 1% Club. The words are the German for at, with, towards, after, through, to, and since. Fritz thinks that it's since, but it's actually through, and Hint stays behind. Fritz then finds a science question. He has two buckets and has to distill water to find out whose level is reached for four litres of water using the bucket that has a three litre mark on it. He rings in Demol, but it's actually Barbara, and he gets left behind as a result. They should have been the group of three, after all. Eric and Barbara find some paintings and are asked whose painting isn't there. They ring in Vermeer and are correct. It's the first one. Yep. A whole 250 euros out of this game. <laughs> yes. Kim finds two Japanese books and are asked which of the three things on the list that Samurai did not do. It's either calligraphy, flower arranging, or origami. She just gambles, thinking that they do calligraphy, so she guesses origami and guesses correctly. An underrated part of this challenge is Peter Yan just sitting by himself in the in the classroom. I thought he was going to pull a goodwill hunting and just see really complicated Japanese equations on the board. Well, I guess math is a universal language. There's no such thing as a Japanese equation. But let's say a, a really complicated Japanese puzzle, and he just casually solves it. Yeah, because he just... Peter Yan is literally sat on a folding chair in an empty classroom with just 10 answers on a blackboard and a walkie-talkie with him. 
He has nothing else to do. And it's a beautiful visual. You think maybe he would at least have like a, I don't know, a fidget spinner or if he just pulls out a Nintendo DS or or pulls out a jump rope and just starts skipping and then he gets the call on the walkie-talkie and he, each time there's a call on the walkie-talkie, he stops his jump rope, pauses his stopwatch, gets a sip of water, then comes over to the walkie-talkie. Go for video. <laughs> Eric and Barbara find a list of words, and they have to make an English sentence out of the words, but choosing the correctly spelled version of the word spilt. They have to write, it's no use crying over spilt milk. Eric says Barbara studied in the US, so should know how to spell, so he uses it as an opportunity to test her. She chooses the wrong spilt, and Eric gets left behind as a result. I wish they would have done this challenge in the next episode, because they could have change the expression to no use crying over spilt luggage for Fritz. Poor Fritz. <laughs> I said this to you earlier, but he is probably the least likely villain that has ever been in the mole season. I can't think of anyone in his position who is less likely to be a villain than Fritz Sissing. Yeah, because he's not, a, he's not like a super emotional guy. He comes off very nice and pleasant to everybody. And yet everyone's just going to hate him by the end of this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah, everyone just absolutely wants his blood by the end of this episode. Yeah, it's, he was probably lucky that the, his challenge with the buckets was of water instead of his own blood. Three liters, I'm feeling dizzy. He's lucky that no one else was in that science challenge with him because they might have tried to drown him in the three liter bucket. <laughs> yeah. What's that, the Big Lebowski? Where the, the other guy gets his head shoved into the toilet? <laughs> So Barbara leaves to bank their 250 euros, but gets tempted to just do one more question. She finds a music question and has to identify the instrument that represents the grandfather in a story that's on a cassette player. I don't get it, I'll be honest. Guitar! <laughs> she guesses drum and is wrong. It's actually the bassoon. Bassoon, of course. That's the grandfather of all instruments. The bassoon. I feel like a buffoon for not knowing it was the bassoon. So Kim finds a maths question, working out one of the sides of a triangle using the Pythagorean theorem. She mixes up her multiplication and addition, and runs out of time, and out of money. Peter Yan then collects the group and rebukes them for yet again not banking any money. Aryan says that it's become a tradition that they bank no money after an assignment. Yeah, they're still, they're still in quite the slump. Yeah. It gets better. But arguably not much more yet. No. And in some ways you could argue it gets worse in terms of the group dynamic. Oh yeah, if you think that we mentioned about Belgia Argentina being a bit of a fractious season, Japan gets pretty fractious when it comes to Fritz especially. They're at each other's throats a lot more than you would maybe remember them being. And now they fly to Sendai. Did you see the crew member, like the the guy on the tarmac who was bowing outside the plane? I didn't, but I do wonder whether he was related to the kimono girl from episode one. <laughs> yeah. They always have to throw in some sort of local who, who amuses editors. Yeah. Once they arrive in Sendai, they check into their cabins in the woods, which looks like very interesting accommodation. And Eric and Fritz uh, look like the stay-at-home dads as they're on cooking duty. They make breakfast in the morning. Eric and Fritz share a lot. Fritz thinks that he shares everything, but Eric doesn't, as he wants to be the last man standing and win the pot. Which is deeply ironic, 
given how much grief he gave uh, Fritz at the start of this episode, for being pretty selfish. And yes, he details his coalition with Fritz. He says, oh yeah, Fritz shares everything with me, but I don't share the other way around. And we cut to Fritz saying, if Eric is the mole, I'll have lost all faith in humanity. So it's like, oh man, what's going to happen to Fritz if Eric is the mole then? He doesn't turn up at the finale? Is he going to end up in the suicide forest? What's going to happen if Eric takes the exemption in Chain Gang? Fritz is going to lose it. Fritz will lose his shit and hide his shit in the woods. <laughs> yeah. We then see Eric shaving in a river because apparently they don't have any bathroom <laughs> facilities. He's really confused. He he answers, he talks into phones upside down and now he's bathing and shaving in the river instead of a bathroom. <laughs> it's like, oh man, what is this? Is it opposite day? And then they are asked to form two teams, one a team of three and one a team of four. And Peter Yan will be talking to the team of three. Hint, Ian and Eric are the team of three, and Barbara, Sanet, Kim, and Fritz are the four. They start on opposite ends of a route and have to carry sandbags on a stretcher. The more sand they take, the more money they will make. They have an hour and a half to meet up, and he warns them that the amount of sand and the place where they meet are both crucial to the amount of money they'll make. This one is a pretty classic Mole challenge, at least in recent times. I think pretty much any reboot of Mole has has had a go at this challenge since. Because it's like, a well, Mole US5 did a challenge somewhat similar to this. As we said earlier, Renaissance did a very similar version to this, too. Yeah, if you think this and Mole US5 filmed about a year apart, roughly. I think Mole US5 was 2008. And I think they were filming earlier in 2008. So there's probably, probably 18 months, two years between those two seasons filming. There is a lot of crossover between those two seasons. And in fact, Chain Gang, the next challenge, as I have mentioned when we've talked about it in the past, is, I think, the only US-created challenge to actually make it to Benelux. I got distracted for half a second. Jan was <laughs> Jan was eating something and made a very, very sour face that was quite hilarious. Tell Jan <laughs> to stop distracting you with food. <laughs> got a job to do. <laughs> okay. Are you so, back in the room now? Yes. You yes. actually paying attention? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the classroom. This is going to make a brilliant blooper reel at the end of the season. Just all the times Logan's been distracted. So yes, there's a 90-minute time limit for this challenge, which is one of the longer ones we ever see in... Well, actually, well, this challenge will have a 90-minute time limit, and then the following challenge... I don't know if it so much has a time limit, or just that one person will be stuck out there for a very, very long time. I think it depends on the version with Chain Gang, because some versions of Chain Gang specify the amount of times that the box will open, some don't. Australia is the most infamous one that did, because the timings don't line up in that season. Mm. And the route for this challenge is usually somewhere about five kilometres, for context as well. Obviously, it's it's a fairly hilly route in this season, but the, the route is usually usually somewhere within about five kilometres. It's funny when Arian, Hind, and Eric are trying to put together their... It's similar to Sana's idea for the stretcher. And then when Hind and Arian try to lift it, Hind just screams out, Holy moly! I'm thinking, yeah, it might be might be a bit too heavy for her. Especially in her Laura Croft boots. <laughs> She's not exactly wearing the ideal footwear to carry all of this weight. <laughs> Something I also noticed is when the team of three pick up their stretcher... Their bamboo breaks straight away. 
on the far side of it. It just collapses in on itself. Yeah, they didn't tie it together securely enough. No. So, Sana says she was a Girl Scout and immediately takes charge of uh, building their stretcher. Seamus rebuilds their stretcher, but hold it awkwardly and say it isn't going to last the hour. Yeah, I think it was, I think, yeah, it was actually, it was Eric who said, there's no way in hell we're going to be able to carry this for over an hour, potentially, for this challenge. We have to make it lighter. (laughs) Yeah, I've reverse engineered this, and there were 70 sandbags. So that was 10 for each of them, presumably. So presumably the team of three had 30, and the team of four had 40 on offer. That makes sense. Yeah, I think the group of four piled on 100 kilograms, so they were essentially transporting a Euroan on a stretcher. In the end, they had 90 kilos worth because they had 18 bags. Yeah, because they took two away where they said, no, there's no point carrying a super heavy weight that has no chance of intersecting with the other group. You may as well try to make it lighter to guarantee most of the money goes into the pot. Yeah, the the old mole adage of not carrying the dead weight through any longer than you have to should have applied to Euroan in Renaissance, but sadly it didn't. Yeah. It would have been funny, though, if they just had your Rowan, or it's like, well, why do we need all these weights? Let's just bring out your Rowan for another season, and he can just lay on the stretcher. Yeah, your Rowan's the equivalent of 50 of the sandbags, but also, he is worth 2,222 euros and 50 centimes if you get him across the finish line. Yeah. The team of three find their first sign, which is 250,000 yen. They can't go back once they pass a sign, and the highest value, as we see on the graphic, is 500,000, or the equivalent of 4,000 euros. And this is an added twist that we don't usually see in this challenge of not giving it them in euros. They've got to do the maths themselves. Yeah, I actually wrote that down in my notes too. I'm thinking this is one of the very, very few challenges in Vidim where it's in the foreign currency and it's completely up to them to do the conversion. I think that's a, I think that's a good twist. Yeah, so do I. It is also incredibly complicated when you get 156,250 a little bit later on. Yeah, isn't that a song from the movie Rent or from the from the Broadway play Rent? Uh, so the team of three find the five hundred thousand yen sign, but keep walking. Eric predicts that they will find a lower one soon. They do. It is one hundred and fifty six thousand two hundred fifty yen. One of Eric's bags falls, and Aryan is suspicious. They leave it, and then Aryan also has a little bit of a collapse. Yeah, that whole their mini stretcher thing is so bad to the point that they are just carrying it on the sticks like the. Monopoly card where you go to Illinois Avenue. Yeah, it's interesting that they still managed to, up to that point, carry 12 of their 30 bags. That is a far higher percentage than you'd expect them to carry looking at the way they're carrying them. Yeah, it looks so flimsy. You'd think that it was maybe 1% of the potential sandbags, but it's actually 40% between them all. Yeah, and then Aryan's the only one who had any whose bamboo stick was fragile at all, because he ended up ditching one of the bags. Yeah, him and Derek both ditch a bag each. Uh, the team of four find the 125,000 yen sign, or 1,000 euros. They stop at 375,000 yen, and just as they're debating it, the team of three come around the corner, and they all stop there. Peter Yan then slinks out from the woods and compares them to Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> yeah, where, where was he this whole time? <laughs> Did he just predict that that's where they would be? Presumably, he would have been in a production car behind the team of four. Yeah. So he just yelling, move it, move it. It's a very fun visual of him just kind of appearing from nowhere out of the woods, like he's been <laughs> testing out Jane Gang that evening. Yeah, maybe, or maybe he was taking a whiz in the woods, like, oh, oh, oh this is awkward. You guys are really taking the piss here. 
little privacy, please. I literally take my eyes off you for two minutes, and you're already just you're already just getting in my way. It's not fair. Yeah, I didn't even have time to zip. That's why you only see him from the top half up. You don't see him <laughs> yeah. from the waist down at all. Jesus Christ. And then he refers to them as Laurel and Hardy. He compares them to Laurel and Hardy and confirms that they had 28 bags and could have won up to 4,000 euros if they'd stopped to the right sign. As a result, they earn 1,200 euros and he says it's not bad for you guys. Yeah. By the excruciatingly low standards we have established over the past episode, you guys should be celebrating like you just won a gold medal. He is such an unnecessary prick to these people. It's really funny, but I feel almost bad for them about how much of a bitch Peter Yang keeps being to them now. Well, this is... How many challenges did they go in a row without earning any money? Three? Four? Three, four, something like that. Three or four? No, it's four. Yeah, well, it depends. Yeah, it depends, yeah. (laughs) Four, since any money has been added into the pot. The last time they added money to the pot was episode two. They've obviously got the price of Fritz hanging over them at the moment. They didn't make any money out of Barbara because they let her stay. They didn't make any money out of the uh, the driving school challenge because, you know, Peter Gunn was disappointed in them. And they didn't make any money out of um, out of the school in this episode either. So this is the first challenge in five where they've earned money immediately. I think that's a record. I can't think of any other season where they go four consecutive challenges without adding anything, without money being dispensed. What about the start of Georgia? Well, I'm, that's what I was. That's what came to mind with the negatives. But they were able to earn money to get closer to zero. I would think. I don't think they had four failures in a row. No, it is. It is quite impressive to go potentially up to five challenges without earning any money. To the point where they change the rules of chain gang in the next one, just to give them a chance of earning money. Yeah, so I didn't really catch on to the exact way money was being added in for Chain Gang. So it was going to start out at 200 euros and then double with each person who unlocks? I'll get to that. I've I've got the money on that for you, don't worry. <laughs> I knew you'd ask. <laughs> so then we see them set up their camp for the evening. They are in two tents. Obviously the 1,200 euros they won came out of their cabin budget in this episode. Then Peter Yan introduces the infamous game that's coming next to us, Chain Gang. They will be attached in the forest to a chain that only has enough slack for one person to approach a box that will lift every 15 minutes. Inside the box is the key to their freedom, and a barbecue with PT on the evening, but also an exemption. If they take the exemption, anyone who is left on the chain has a very long cold night in the woods ahead. The first person that frees themselves is worth 50 euros for the pot, and then each successive person doubles those winnings. If all seven free themselves, they earn 3,200 euros for the pot. So there's your answer. Ah, I see. Traditionally in Chain Gang, and obviously I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about Chain Gang history now, because it is one of my favourite challenges that they do over and over and over again. I did a version of it in a mole game that I hosted. It's just such a delightful game for making people hate each other. Obviously you don't want that a lot of the time in, uh, in mole, especially when you're Belkia, but it's really fun when you get the right group of people who really hate each other and don't trust each other. And interestingly, it's been done at least six times to my knowledge. The first was obviously the US, then this one was probably next, but um, it's the US, 
the Netherlands, Belgium twice technically. We had Germany, Australia, and France have all done it as well. Well, because it's such a cheap challenge to put together. And so it's so simple to explain. And most of the time, it's an all or nothing challenge as well. Most of the time, it's everyone has to free themselves or you earn no money. Yeah, well, is this the only exception to that? Or did one of the other versions do a remix? Off the top of my head, this is the only one that is um, double your money for every person who frees themselves. Yeah, because that's the whole point of it is to be all or nothing. The question I have is... Does Fritz go for the exemption if it meant no money was being added into the pot? I think he probably still does, because he thinks, fuck the consequences. He obviously doesn't give a shit. 1600 euros is a very cheap price for any exemption. Yeah, I was thinking just his behavior in the challenge right from the very start. That was his plan all along, was to be the last and then, uh, and then take the exemption. Yeah, especially when you consider that other versions of this game have have had really, really high price tags. I think the US version was like $25,000 for this one. And that's why they all trusted each other on that one. Yeah, it was a ludicrous amount of money. But even, like, France was €5,000 on this one. I think Belgium was 5000 as well, off the top of my head. Australia did something really weird in that they had it in their first episode and also had the exemption be one that someone had already won and had to defend. So she had to, basically, she had to pay, I think it was $4,600 out of the potential winnings of the first challenge to earn herself an exemption. Then that exemption was put up in Chain Gang, and then she would have had to cost the group another $10,000 to be able to take that. And that's the that's the later, that was the final Australian season, right? Yeah, that was the the final Australian season that we're never, ever covering in a million years unless someone pays them on Patreon. Yeah, $100. I can't remember what, what tier I've set it at, actually. I think it, I think it is £50. Pounds. £50 pounds and we'll cover Australian more? £50 pounds a month. Oh. <laughs> and they have to keep that up until, uh, until we're deciding the next mole seasons. And it's not specifically Australian mole as well. Anyone who goes for that tier can... Uh, can pick a season that we cover within reason. So yeah, in theory, if people want us to do Australian Mole, you do have to you do have to make it worth our while. Yeah. The other interesting thing is that Chain Gang doesn't have consistent rules with both the amount of money that can be earned, either all or nothing, or in this case, it doubles for each person who um, who frees themselves. But also in whether the person who takes the exemption gets off the chain themselves. Yes, I was about to say that too. I believe in almost all the other versions, if you take the exemption, you still you still get to go free anyway. And it's just the people left behind that suffer. France was definitely stay on the chain, because that was the one that had lions. Germany, I can't remember, but I think I think Germany played the same rules as Belgia, so that is free yourself, and then you can take the exemption as well if you want to. Yeah, America, the American version was free your free yourself. Yeah. I think that makes people more likely to take the exemption, but also it's it's worth pointing out that all the English language versions of this game, the team has won and earned the money for. There is only one non-English language version where the team won the money, and that is Belgia, I think. France, someone took the exemption and ended up being stuck in a chain with lions around them. Germany, someone took the exemption, and it was the one good bit of um, of that entire German season because she was amazing. That that person who took it, Australia, nobody took it. The US, nobody took it. 
Belgia, nobody took it. And then this one, Fritz did take it. So that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that is quite interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the Finnish reboot has done Chain Gang, but I don't know the results of that one off the top of my head. I did try messaging Bindles a couple of hours ago to find out to find out what the updated stats on Chain Gang are, but I think he's asleep. So I'll update you next episode on that. This challenge is also good for figuring out who the group suspects. Being perfectly honest, I wouldn't be opposed to Chain Gang just being an every season challenge in the same way that Vidim does Laser Game every year. Or, or just frequent, maybe not necessarily every season, but use it. You can use it frequently. Yeah, because it's it's ultimately a brilliant mind game. It's a really good way to have the group at each other's throats, but also make the group realize who each other suspects and who they really don't trust anymore. Yeah, because they let Sana go first, so I assume no one suspects her. No, and that was also because she did so well with the stretcher in the last challenge, apparently. Yeah, she was responsible for earning the only money that they that's been put in the pot in five challenges. <laughs> and then Aryan is picked second, so I assume no one really suspects him. There wasn't a big deal made out of him unlocking of of him being unlocked. No, which is really interesting because he was, I think, the number one suspect of the Netherlands at this point. That is quite interesting. And then after Aryan goes, it gets gets a lot more confrontational because everyone agrees Fritz will go after Eric but before Kim and then the argument continues where Fritz says well no Hind or me will go last and then and then he says yeah Kim you're definitely not going to go last and then Kim fires back at Fritz saying why why do you get to go last why is it you or Hind and then Fritz just was really adamant Kim you are not going to go last and chat in this challenge it's going to be me because I'm going to go for the exemption and then they Put Barb a third because I'm guessing they all thought that she's not the mole after the twist last week. <laughs> and this will come up later, but it's a it's a bit surprising that she would just unlock herself and avoid the exemption here when it's very, very likely that based on the way the execution was set up last round that she was supposed to go home. Yeah, she knows for a fact that she was supposed to go home and she's one of a very small list of people in in mole history worldwide that has the opportunity to have a second chance. And she doesn't take it in the end of this episode, spoilers. She absolutely messes it up and I think Bindles described her as one of the worst mole contestants ever as a result of that. But it's really interesting that she doesn't even get tempted to take the exemption, which I 100% would. If I'd just been saved, I'd take the exemption because nobody would begrudge me of it. Yeah, and then, well, other than the fact of everyone saying, well, now she's been exempt from two executions where she was supposed to be eliminated. <laughs> Put it this way, I don't think anyone's going to hide Barbara's luggage if she takes this exemption. Yeah, but it was just very puzzling, because she didn't even hesitate. She just went straight for the key, and she said, oh, that she thought it would just be in bad taste if she got two exemptions in a row. Fesh, man. I'm with Fritz on this, I'll be honest. Yeah, where one is just, I bet you a lot of viewers at home are thinking, what? Why would you do that? You know you were supposed to go home last round. This round, there's an exemption right in front of you. Just take it, and you're in the next episode, and maybe you'll have a third chance to figure out who the mole is. If the mole UK came back, and they did Chengang, which would be likely, because obviously it's been off air for 21 years at this point, and they have so many of these classic challenges to do, they would adapt Chengang. If I was given the opportunity and they said, oh, 
you're going to have to stay outside if you take this exemption. I'd think twice about it, but I would probably still take the exemption regardless. Imagine if they did this and like, oh yeah, if uh, whoever gets left behind will be sent to Afghanistan. Being perfectly honest, Cheng Yang is probably one of the only reasons I, I'm half tempted to, at some point, make us do um, French Mole as a, um, as a historian, mainly because that French Mole one is vicious. It is the most ludicrous version of Chain Gang possible. Well, it's where the lions get involved in and almost eat the contestants, right? Yeah. It's the one where someone does take the exemption and and they're all pissed off and chained in this circle outside. And the next thing we hear from the host is, yeah, we couldn't leave them outside after about midnight because lions were seen in the general vicinity. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> Somebody did not think about this properly. The pride comes before you, before the fall. <laughs> that was in Kruger, I think. Yeah, I think that's what you said, yeah. And then Eric, surprisingly, was forced to free himself. And then we see Barb saying she thought the group would hate her if she went for the exemption again. And she really, really chomps down on a potato chip. The potato chip just gets murdered in her mouth. Kim's volunteered to go fifth. Fritz really wants to see what she'll do. And she frees herself. Hint frees herself sixth and asks PT and for sake. And that means Fritz is left all alone. And he suggests that they confuse the group by sending hints before him. And the, the group, we also cut to the group saying, maybe Hint just has to go second to last. Because apparently the chain was getting increasingly heavy with each person that left. And they thought Hint will physically be una- unable physically to reach the cage to unlock herself, even if she wanted to. Yeah, going back to the idea of French Mole doing doing uh, Chain Gang in a stupid place, they do do this in a suicide forest, as we joked last week. They do it in a forest, and it's the only one where, instead of them all being on platforms or chained to a wall or something, the chain is wrapped around trees. So they're having to... This chain is a heavy-duty one at the best times, but then having to be... having to basically grind up against the trees. So hint probably wouldn't have wouldn't have been strong enough to yank it across the trees and actually give herself enough slack, I don't think. She would have had to have Fritz move all the slack as he came off the chain or whatever as well. And if he didn't, that would be a hell of a production error that they would have to cover up, I'm, I'm assuming, in post. It would be an absolutely hilarious visual of Hint trying desperately to get to the box. Yeah, two hours later. <laughs> and just not having the slack of it. <laughs> there better be some sake left after this. <laughs> I think going back to your point about whether there's a timer, I think there is a timer. I think it's an off-air one. I think they are told what the absolute last time that they can be out there is without everyone just getting trapped on the chain. It seemed to go very, very fast. Yeah. I mean, the, the Australia one is the infamous one on this because I think it was that the box was meant to open every five minutes but there were too, too many people for that to be possible for them to do it in the time limit we were told about. So it was more like three minutes, probably? Yeah, or the hour-long timer or whatever we were told that it is was actually a lie. It's more likely. Right. But this seemed like it was two minutes that somebody was up at the key because they did not show much footage in between. Like in the American version, and Belgian too, there were long discussions in between each person who went up to the cage. Bindle's challenge guide says, 
Every five minutes, the podium will rise briefly to reveal both the set of keys and the treasurer's exemption, and the group must pick one player to step forward and take an item. If they take the keys, they can free themselves and return to a luxury campsite for the night, with the group winning $10,000 if everyone takes the keys within an hour. If a player takes the exemption, they and all players still chained will remain chained overnight. And then there's a note saying, If the podium rises every five minutes and there are 12 players, time would run out right as the last player makes their choice. Yet somehow there are only two players left with 20 minutes to go instead of five. And if it was the treasurer's exemption and it wasn't stolen from them, why don't they get it back after the challenge? So, wibbly wobbly timey wimey on that. And then we have Fritz is all alone and he says he knows everyone will be very mad at him if he takes the exemption. And he does so anyway. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. care. Yeah. But what I don't think he anticipated is just they would be so angry that after he's been out in the woods shivering all night that everyone else has tampered with his luggage to where they only took out, I think, one pair of underwear, one polo shirt, and one pair of pants. Yeah. And then when Fritz realizes this, he's thinking, oh, well, I thought I thought they might do something somewhat similar to this. So then he grabs their luggage, hides it in the woods, and they all wake up the next morning and they say, hey, Fritz, Peter Yan to- told us that you took the exemption. So we hid your luggage in the woods. So if you give up the exemption, we'll give you back your luggage in exchange. And then Fritz says, oh, why would I do that? Because I hid your guys' luggage. So if you give me my luggage, then I'll tell you the location of your... Oh, you just found it. <laughs> it finds all everybody, everyone else's luggage within two minutes. So then I think Sanis, I think it was Sana who said, um, Fritz just lost all of his leverage because he did not hide everyone else's luggage well at all. Well, it, it's specifically one other person's luggage, and he chooses Kim. And she's pissed off that he, he put, her, uh, put her luggage on the damp ground. And then, yeah, Aryan just finds it two minutes later. And then I think it was Aryan who... Who said, oh, that was pretty funny. I think it was when him and Eric were brushing their teeth and he said, that was pretty funny. Fritz Sissing is on a chain in the middle of the suicide forest all night. <laughs> and then I have it in my notes. Fritz just committed social suicide in the suicide forest. I also realize we're being incredibly flippant about calling it the suicide forest, but it's what I've always called it with this version of Chain Gang. I think it depends on the context of how you reference it. <laughs> Uh, so, yep, as you said, Fritz does something the group don't think he will, taking the exemption, and that means that they earn 1,600 euros of 3,200 for the challenge, 2,800 of 9,700 for the episode, and 8,300 of 31,200 for the season so far. Smidge over a quarter. And then Fritz doesn't have the best defense when everyone is angry with them because they said, well, we paid 2,000 to keep Barb in the game. That was a bargain. But I don't think that's really comparable considering that's losing a you're talking about a person. Yeah. Do you think that the mole really needs to do anything in Chain Gang? Uh, if they have a good enough read on the group, I guess they don't. I know it's basically a it depends question, but I think most of the time the mole doesn't have to do much for Chain Gang. As long as they've been sowing the seeds of everyone hating each other before Chain Gang comes up, which obviously makes the Australian choice to do it at the end of the first week stupid, then they basically don't have to do anything. They can just let themselves off the chain and enjoy their barbecue. In the other versions, has has the mole ever taken the exemption? Yes. Oh, wow. There is one mole who has taken the exemption. 
And did that expose them for the rest of the season? No, but it was a hilariously baller move. I'm not telling you which one it is, because it's one we've not covered. I see. But it's, um, yeah, it, it was very entertaining when that mole took the uh, took the exemption. Yeah, because that's a risky move. On the subject of people taking the uh, taking the exemptions, it tends to be older females who get away with taking the exemptions on this. Not Fritz. No, Fritz, Fritz is the only man, to my knowledge, who has taken the exemption on Chain Gang, which hmm. is interesting. It tends to be middle-aged women who take the exemption and go, yeah, what of it? I don't care. Somebody like a barb. Yeah, yeah. it tends to be more of the barb archetype than Fritz. So it's interesting that Fritz is so much into the game that um, that he does take it here. And now it's time for the quiz. It is. It's time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mold. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mold who can never go home. Fritz has an exemption, which we had not spent five minutes finding out about, so he doesn't have to do the test. Do you think Fritz is ever going to give up his exemption, by the way? I wonder if they threw out all of his luggage. Although you think production would have to intervene and say, well, he's got to have something, guys. Maybe they're the ones that told them, told them, okay, you have to at least leave him one pair of underwear or like a, you have to leave him one change of clothes. Maybe that was the deal. Yeah, because production would have had to cart his luggage around otherwise. There's no way that they leave his luggage in, in the forests of, uh, of Sendai. The cleanest country in the world. <laughs> yeah, there's no way they fly tip his luggage. So somebody has to carry it around, presumably production, if it's not, um, if it's not Fritz himself. And surely if he knows that production are carting it around, he just finds out where production have it and takes it back. Yeah, I think with Fritz, there wasn't really going to be a way that he would give up that exemption. He would just, he would just roll with it. If they, if they hate me, they hate me. If they don't, they don't. Yeah, because it's not a direct elimination game, the mole. You can piss people off as much as you want, as long as you're on the right track. Yeah, unless you're Nicole, in which case you lose your job. That's the thing. Arguably, outside of the US version, there's not a lot that these people can do to Fritz that that would get him out of the game. Yeah, maybe just tickle him excessively? They can't even stop him getting exemptions in any opportunity. Arguably, with most of the versions, they don't give away exemptions every week, so he still has to be vulnerable for some tests. But if you wave an exemption in front of Fritz and people are pissing him off, he will go for the exemption every time. So we believe that Sana suspects Aryan. Aryan says that Eric delayed them on the sandbag route. It wasn't a mole action, but it was just one big mess. Eric says the mole answered three questions, suggesting that he suspects Kim. Kim says Fritz thought the sandbags were heavy, which is suspicious. Barbara says the mole is a man. And Hins still suspects Fritz, as there was no discussion about who would go to the box first out of the pair of them. Peter Yan says whoever leaves will regret not beating Fritz to the exemption, but it is too late now. Barbara is the first person to be typed in and gets an instant red screen, and absolutely nobody reacts. There's not even a montage for her. No, I have that as my next note. It's like, she doesn't even get a montage. Yeah, what's with this? Manuel and Barb don't get a montage? I guess Barb wasn't really a wasn't really a big character. I've noticed that. One other thing I wrote in my notes is Fritz, Eric, and Aryan get a ton of focus right from the very beginning of the season. And then Kim gets a, gets a bit of focus too. But Barb, Manuel, and Loretta... Those three were very, very under-edited, and that's that's 30% of the cast. Yeah. To quote Bindles when I was chatting to him at the weekend about this, I feel like Japan is one of those seasons that got the perfect boot order. 
I would agree, but I would say Tim is probably out of place. Yeah, you're, I was waiting for you to say mention Tim. <laughs> Tim is the only person I would say is out of place in the big order in terms of he should have stayed a lot longer than he did because he was a huge presence in that first episode. And like you, other than him, you lose Loretta, who's really forgettable in that first episode. You lose Manuel, who's really forgettable in both of the episodes that he actually appears in. And you lose Barbara, who... She just fades. Yeah, she's just not a presence. And Peter Yan makes fun of Barb really good at the end because he's like, why didn't you take that exemption, Barb? You knew that just with the way the twist was structured last week, that it was probably an 80% chance that you were meant to get the red screen. And then she says, oh, I didn't want to be a jerk and take the exemption. And Peter Yan says, well, sometimes you need to be a jerk and be as the mole. And then I wrote my notes and also as a host. <laughs> I feel like Peter Yan would be a great person to befriend but you would never want to cross him. Yeah, or just do, or just embarrass yourself in front of him because he's going to be all over you. He's he's not he's not going to be shy to point out your failures. He's lovely, but he's an absolute arsehole when you're on the wrong side of him. I think I would genuinely be scared to be his friend. I think. And then we just see Barb walk away after being roasted by Peter Yan. Yeah, this is the point <laughs> in the season where we've basically lost all the dead weight and Tim. And then the boots start getting a bit more disappointing after this. Yeah, I would say there's only one more under-the-radar character who goes, and then we have a very, very solid final five. Yeah, every every execution from here on out is someone who you go, oh, I don't really want to lose them. Whereas you can't really say that about Barbara. As nice as I'm sure she was, you can't really say that about her. It's just tough to remember. Any, I mean, the, the fact they couldn't come up with a montage for her meant that... They just didn't have much material to pull from to put the montage together. Yeah. So, next time, the team memorise kanji and try to build a temple before Peter Yan gives them the choice of cinema screens and Fritz impersonates Michael Jackson. That challenge is one that they have never done on any other version, I don't think. It's a uniquely Japanese challenge. Have you got anything else you want to say before we talk about what the mole did? Nope. Good. In that case... I love doing these historians ones because we are properly efficient with them. It's just like, nope, let's move on. So in that case, thank you for listening to our Views to Mole 2010 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for an old mole in Japan. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter, Lux of Quacky, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till next to flavoring. So what did the mole do? Uh, the mole did quite a bit this episode. I think this was came in top form this week. Yeah, outside of the school challenge, I don't think she really needed to do much. Yeah, the school challenge she played perfectly, I would say. She got one answer right, but then made her and Orient were the took the longest set of the three groups to answer the first question. So Kim just made sure that time ran out, so it on one hand, people would say, oh, she got a question right. But on the other hand, she made sure she didn't finish in time. So no money would go into the pod anyway. Yeah. And on the Fritz on Chain Gang thing, he wanted Kim to go before him because he wanted to see what she was going to do. He's confident on Kim as a mole at this point in the season, I think. Well, I think he was confident. Well, he was asking what she was doing even during the driving school challenge. Fritz was just uh, eyeing her like a hawk. Uh, I feel bad for Kim because... 
Fritz Fritz isn't go- going to deviate whatsoever. No. By this point in the season, he is, I think, putting all 20 questions on Kim as well. Yeah. He definitely is, because he keeps well, it's, he keeps asking what she's doing, and then the chain gang challenge, he is not so subtle in saying, no, Kim, you are not going after me, you will go before me. Yeah. And then what, what's Kim supposed to do, realistically, in that scenario, without it being where everyone's thinking, well, one of, one of those two has to be the mole based on their interaction. And also, we got a big hint here in that Barbara says the mole is a man. And the fact that she goes home, we know the mole is not a man. So if you're narrowing it down to Fritz and Kim already, because they're bickering so much, you know that it's Kim Peters by this point. Yep. Oh, and the stretcher challenge. Um, the only thing I noticed in the stretcher challenge, and oh, that was a funny name for the place, Terramazoo. I can't believe we, we skipped over that. I noticed Kim was talking excessively when they were putting the stretcher together. They put it down yeah. a lot. She just made sure they were halted with discussion so they didn't earn the maximum amount in that challenge. And I think that sabotage is shown in the reunion show. I think it is as well. Yeah, where she made sure that they, they had to settle for a, for a lesser amount. Yeah. So I'd say two, two decent sabotages for this episode. One of the two sabotages being a really smart one and the second one being a subtle... Not an all-out assault on the pot, but making sure that there is a couple thousand euros missed out on. Yeah, and also from this point on, you get a really fun run of episodes as well, because you get next episode with the silent karaoke challenge, then you get the Meet the Mole challenge in episode 6, and then we have all the Tokyo stuff from episode 7 onwards, I think. Yes, and oh yeah, one other thing that I didn't want to point out, because it would be super obvious that Kim is the mole, is that during the stretcher challenge, Fritz stands directly behind Kim when they're moving the stretcher. <laughs> yeah, because he knows what she's going to do. Yeah, and then Kim, I'm guessing production must have told Kim, saying, Fritz is 100% on you as the mole. Do whatever you can to create some sort of doubt with him. <laughs> I actually can't think of a winner that has cock-blocked a mole as much as Fritz does here. From episode one, he's kind of suspicious of her anyway. And by episode four, he's actively cock-blocking her sabotages. Yeah. So when people say, oh, Kim was the worst mole, I'm thinking she had someone who, or two people, who were 100% certain it was her. Or you had one person who was about 95% sure it was her. And then the other person who was 100% in actively doing. He, he's, sab- he's sabotaging the mole. <laughs> Role reversal. I think we will end up obviously talking about this at the end of the season, but Fritz is maybe the most impressive winner of any mole season because of how good his radar is on this. He knows it's Kim from like episode one and two and actively not only keeps an eye on her, but stops her sabotaging to try and win himself more money because that's his motivation at the start of this episode. He doesn't care. He knows he's going to win. He just wants to try and win as much money as he can now. And he does things to make sure everyone is distracted thinking he is the mole. Yeah. The motivation on him taking the exemption is actually more to try and make himself look suspicious so that he's basically protected from anyone beating him to who the mole is. Yes. He doesn't need the exemption. He knows who it is. He just wants to actively mole and try and annoy them, basically. Yeah, he just doesn't want somebody else to be saved from the execution, have their number one suspect go home, and then Fritz has a new person 
to compete with on the quizzes for the or presumably in the finale knowing it could be a really tight score on the final quiz yeah his only rival at this point is eric who also suspects kim we find out in this episode yeah and he doesn't even make it to the finale well the best thing for fritz is sana winning that final four exemption because as soon as she wins the final four exemption basically him and eric compete to who gets to unmask kim at the end yeah 